I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke, and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, is once again across the internet for me at an undisclosed location. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. I actually strung back around to my apartment again because I got standing desk legs, and nothing is nothing is as bad boy as standing desk legs. So I'm, I am true. currently sitting, but someday or maybe later I'll stand. Pretty excited. Did you about just it. put the legs on like a regular desk? Yeah, yeah. So the like the short story is our workplace had an auction and they were auctioning off like the IKEA standing desks, but the uh, I didn't like the top of them and I had a top that I really liked for also from IKEA but on different regular legs. Basically did a swap. It was a little trickier than I thought it was going to be because the the parts weren't exactly made for each other. I had to do some drilling and some hammering and buy like insert nuts and stuff, but 3 hours later, I'm pretty psyched about it. But you're a, you're standing desk man now. Impressive, impressive. Yep. So also on this week's episode, we have Aisha Malik. You have been on the podcast a couple times, but this is this is one of your first like full episodes, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. So I made like a brief appearance like in 2019, but maybe that was 2020. Yeah. So third time on. Who knows what year it is? What does it matter anymore? <laughs> so on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the Rogers proposed acquisition of Shaw and the OnePlus 9, OnePlus 9 Pro, and the OnePlus Watch very briefly. But as always, before we get to all of that, Bennett, please hit us with the hottest news of the week. The hardest part about when you're saying that is every time you do it, I want to like sing it. Like, da 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 Like, I want to sing Just do it next time. But yeah, switching in. The first thing I have is Qualcomm is developing or... I guess it's rumored. It seems pretty real. I mean, it's David Ruddock, who is, is he the owner or just the editor of Android Police? Do you know? He's high up in Android Police. He has a trusted voice in the He's the editor-in-chief now. I believe somebody else, someone else owns it. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. But yeah, he seems to be a fairly trusted voice in the like tech community. He seems very certain that he has like seen this device and it's coming out and it looks okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like It's supposed to be running Android. It's a Qualcomm... So Qualcomm, for those who don't know, is the chip manufacturer who makes chips for mostly Android phones. So in this situation, it looks like they're going to be making a more gaming-focused chip for this like gaming device. Is do you know if it's is it supposed to be an Android gaming device, or are they going to try and run PC games on it, like streaming or something? I I think my understanding is that it's Android gaming, so it'll play like stuff from the Google Play Store. I saw mm. a lot of like the response to this report sort of like we've seen these things before you probably saw me like when we used to have an office looking at them like those little tiny android game boy like devices things like that oh yeah they've existed before but i think what is more exciting about this is one it's supposed to be very powerful and two it's shaped like a switch right which makes mm-hmm. it more conducive to to gaming to modern games I yeah to modern wide screen so- aspect ratio even beyond modern, like when I heard about this, my reaction was like, oh, sick, this is the ultimate emulator device, like Nintendo 64 emulator, Dreamcast emulator, whatever, you install that on this device, and then you have like built in controllers to be able to play those games. Yeah, John's story mentions it being like a pretty good situation for Stadia or xCloud or something. And and that could be smart, too. But who knows, we'll have to see how much it costs. Am I like expecting this to come out and change the gaming space? No, I mean, we already did that. So moving on. (laughs) I still have an Ouya. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> I kickstarted that. This next Odyssey news actually is gaming related too, but Amazon Games, which I, I personally thought was done. I thought they had like folded in on themselves after, I don't know, that like, is that Firefighter Games still going? That was Amazon Games. No, there, it was like, a, I can't even remember what it was called. It was some sort of PC free-to-play yeah. MOBA-like thing that didn't really take off. And then I know it went into like, it was released, then it went back into 
a beta and then it was can't like I, I have no idea they haven't released anything of notoriety i think is the main takeaway but the news here is this one's in montreal which is as we know a pretty big hotspot for game development and the head of the studio was working on rainbow six siege which is launched to not very much fanfare but i think over the last like what like five or six years that game has kind of lasted and, and and persisted longer than anyone would have thought of so there must be some magic there it's pretty big now i remember trying to play it when it first came out and like it was very clear that it wasn't for me it's too realistic mm-hmm. um but i know people that play it and and love it and i think there's like even it's it's obviously not as big as something like league of legends but i think there's like a relatively dedicated community of like quote-unquote pro players that that play the game too yeah i think so too and i think they did drop it down there is like a free tier or like a ten dollar tier you can get on steam that only comes with like a few of the characters it's pretty accessible this next one is one that i know like this applies both to us we're all pretty more excited about this but there could possibly be a 4k switch pro powered by nvidia with dlss so we've heard about the switch pro for a while more powerful switch woohoo everyone's excited about that the fun part about this announcement is that it has possibly a nvidia chip for graphics processing which would enable dlss which is something you see on pc gamings uh which is basically like a form of i want to say upscaling but it's also kind of like a downscaling but basically just makes games that aren't quite 4k look 4k and reduces the performance impact of them you may have heard about dlss a lot when cyberpunk came out because only people with dslss were being able to run it consistently as you had like the craziest high-end pc you basically had to get lucky have an nvidia chip that has dlss that you could enable and that would just make the game playable at you know fake high resolutions because it needed to like lower it down to make it seem when i when i saw this rumor i did a lot of reading about dlss and like i I don't understand it all that this means to me is that a 4k switch is coming which i thought was something that i didn't care about but the more i think about it like i I know the rumors are that breath of the wild 2 is probably going to be tied to this and it'll be in 4k i would even go back and play the original breath of the wild in 4k on a tv maybe not finish it but i would play it and i would enjoy it for me, I think I'm not necessarily excited about the 4K aspect of it. I think with gaming, especially with the Switch, like I, I've been happy with 1080p. I mean, if you could get it to 4K or 1440p, I'd be stoked. It'd be awesome. Like I'd love to be able to take advantage of my TVs. But I think the part that excites me the most is the promise that if they can push 4K, it should ideally have a much more powerful chip that could make those worlds that much more detailed, which is what I really miss from a lot of like Switch games is the detail. I hope that happens. I guess my only fear with that is, um, what's the word, like alienating previous switch owners like if they start releasing games that only support the new switch i hope that doesn't happen because we're not really seeing that occur anymore and like even with the new 3ds that wasn't really a thing there's like one or two games that only supported the new 3ds so hopefully they don't take that route and it's just like a matter of, of scaling when something plays on the pro like it looks better plays in 4k that kind of thing yeah um, that's we'll, true that we'll is, have to see that is a good point i mean adding more detail to the world makes it harder for back compatibility and that's true the last hottest news that is gaming related, then we'll move on to something telecom related for everybody. But just Microsoft's reportedly in talks to buy the chat platform Discord, which could be pretty huge. I mean, integrating Discord into Xbox Live would really tie PC gaming and Xbox gaming together in a way more cohesive way than it is because I think a lot of PC gamers are really tied to Discord right now. So that'd be interesting to see. And I think honestly, a smart move for Microsoft. Yeah, we were talking about this before the podcast and like Discord is one of those things that makes me feel old. And just like nobody I know that plays games uses it. And I think that is linked less to my age and just the fact that like I play console games, right? So Xbox mm-hmm. Live has always been the place where where me and my friends have gamed. I've never really played PC games. I think if I played PC games, Discord would be like a more integrated part of my life. The only time that I use Discord, to be entirely honest, is like, if there's a gaming preview event and and it's like being hosted on discord, like those are the only times that I've ever used it. I think I have like five discord accounts because I always forget the password with like different names and stuff, but I'm, I'm not surprised about this. Like discord's not profitable. I could see them trying to sell. They have like a huge user base, something close to like 140 million or, or something like that. So it's, it's not surprising at all. And like Microsoft has lots of money in the bank. So they seem like a decent suitor for them. Personally, I'm, I'm I'm kind of hoping it doesn't go through. I think yeah, you Discord want them to was, go public. I do want them to go public. I always thought that'd be a cool thing to invest in because it was something I used so much. But on top of that, I think Discord was kind of already in a pandemic trying to pivot away from being related to gamers and being it was, more yeah. like the Slack for everybody. You know, Slack that's not related to work because that's basically what it is. If you use it's both Slack, Slack yeah. and Discord, yeah, the same. It, they're so similar. It's almost like 
it was just a purple slack. And I would, I just would really like them to fulfill that vision because I, I do think it's like a really smart chat platform and I wish more people used it because like the way that it organized group chats and the way that it just like organizes. I mean, we use Slack at work and we use it because we're able to organize like all of those conversations really efficiently. Being able to do that with your friends is, is really nice too if you feel like taking advantage of it. So I kind of hope that they don't get acquired by Microsoft and continue to becoming a more of a regular consumer business as opposed to a like gamers only apply business. Cool. Moving into the fun telecom news, Rogers boosted Roam-like home rates to $14, Aisha? No, so the $14 change happened last year. So the change this time is that Roam-like home in the U.S. has gone to $10 from $8. So Uh, the $14 change, I I believe it was in September. So this time around. The $14 one is the worldwide roaming? Yes. That's right, kind of mistake. Okay, Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, this change, I mean, if you look at the pattern, it was bound to happen. Like they've been increasing it by like $2 every year. So yeah, but this change- It was change... a buck for a while, but you know, <laughs> inflation gets us all. Yeah. So yeah, yeah this inflation. also, <laughs> um, the change also applies to Fido. So it's Rogers and Fido. Do you think that this is going to result in the other carriers also increasing the cost of their different roam like home like plans so right now this kind of puts rogers in line with bell and tell because theirs is both at nine dollars so like i'm sure they'll go to like 11 like soon enough and then you know pattern continues wait was this uh so this is rogers playing catch up with the other big two or the big two are that now we're gonna have to play catch up with rogers is is everybody at nine dollars or is rogers kind of stepped ahead with a ten dollars so the other two are at nine so you know like I'm sure they'll match like eventually. Yeah, they always they always do, especially with small fees like this. Yeah. It's just a matter of us trying to keep up with it, honestly. We got lucky. A reader reached out to us on Instagram. And if you ever have tips like that, that's a good place to reach out to us. Yeah, I was surprised that we hadn't, uh, we, we didn't come across it because it, it, I think they announced the change. Well, they didn't announce it, but like they quietly put the price change on their website like last week or something like that. So mm-hmm. the it's interesting that it we missed it. Old. Yeah. 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 That was one that I'm, I'm glad we caught it. Super happy we did. But uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Usually we're a little a little tighter on those things, I think. There were a few years where we did miss it, but I think it was in like 2018. It was like $7 or $6 or something. And it, it's just, yeah, every year more and more and more. Price is going up. Maybe Rogers has something cooking in the oven that's going to make all these prices go down and better for consumers. Anyone have any thoughts on what that? Are- what a segue. What a segue. Yeah, let's let's get into the first topic of the podcast. Um, I've talked about this before. Like, I know that one of the core pillars of mobile syrup is is carrier coverage, but it's something that even as the managing editor, I haven't been really that involved in. So that's why we have Aisha on the podcast this week. There's an absolute bombshell in the telecom world. Rogers has revealed that it has plans to acquire Shaw for an acquisition valued at $26 billion. The key takeaway here is that it like this has not gone through yet. It's still hinged on regulatory approval. And the announcement was made back on March 15th. I think the first thing worth talking about with this is just what does this mean for the broader Canadian telecom industry, Aisha? Like what what is the 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 potential long-lasting impact of an acquisition of this size? So I think what a lot of people concerned are concerned about is the fact that like this is going to totally transform the whole industry, you know, because parts of the country are going to go from having four competitors to just three. So and like experts have like, you know, come out and said that like, you know, this is essentially less competition, which could lead to increased prices. So and I think a lot of people have brought up the the point that like in the past like couple of years, freedom has pretty much been like the only driving factor that's like forcing the big three to uh, mm-hmm. lower their prices. So with this acquisition, that goes away. So that's a pretty big change, which is, you know, in turn going to lead to uh, price increases, according to uh, like analysts and uh, industry experts. So freedom is included in the deal, right? Yes. Because I know I know that that was there's a bit of chatter about that on, on Twitter mm-hmm. as to whether that was the case. So it is included in yeah. the deal. I mean, people are saying like it shouldn't be part of the deal, but the way it's been presented, freedom is part of it. I'm mean, like hedging my bets, just like waiting for freedom to finally put coverage where my parents live so I can just finally switch to it. But like that's not a thing anymore. You know what I mean? Like over the last two years, we've just been writing story after story about freedom expanding their coverage zones to get to like, they're not at a competitive place yet, but if they kept on that that rate for like two to three more years, I think they would have been and we could have had like possible a big four. And it's just it's just sad that that's gonna like fall apart. Yeah. 
So I know that as of right now, this is just a proposed acquisition, which means that it hasn't gone through yet. What sort of regulatory approval is required to make this actually happen? So they need to go through three avenues. So firstly, it needs to be approved by the Competition Bureau. And like just like a point of interest, like the bureaus already come out and said that they're like receiving unlike unprecedented amount of feedback because you know like Canadians are like voicing their concerns and being like come on like don't let this happen you know so that's the first avenue that they need to get approval from and then it also needs to be approved by the CRTC and Innovation Minister Champagne's office so all three of these parties have said that like they're going to keep affordability and competition like the forefront and like the priority but like as of now um, we just have to kind of wait and see what happens and I know you've talked to to analysts um, about the approval What's the sort of sense as to whether this will actually go through or not from like industry experts? Like, is this a sure thing? Is there a possibility that like the terms of the deal might change? Is there a possibility that like freedom will be pulled out of it? What's what's sort of like, what's the impression that you're getting from what analysts are telling you about the proposed acquisition? So analysts from like TD and Scotiabank and like all the other like big banks around the country are saying like this deal makes sense for both Rogers and Shaw and like it was bound to happen eventually. That's kind of what they're saying. But on the other side, you have advocacy groups saying like Canadians can't afford this merger. Like it's just, there's no way that it should happen. Like the the way the deal is presented. So like even the conservative party has kind of come out and said, like they're going to try to ensure like a fourth carrier remains, which kind of tells me that they're going to see, try to get conditions placed onto the deal. So Right now, it is too early to say if it will get approved, but there is a possibility that they may have to uh, make some amendments to the overall deal to kind of appease the greater population and just like the regulatory bodies as well. So like I said, it is like we're still like super early into this. Like I'm sure we'll see um, more politicians coming out and like voicing their opinions. But as of now, it is very early to say. So we'll just have to see. feels like the uh, Shaw buying freedom happened like last year it, it obviously didn't right like that that isn't five the thing years. that happened last year it's been five years but like when this announcement first happened i was like wow didn't that merger acquisition whatever you want to call it didn't that just happen and it obviously hasn't do you think freedom can stand on its own without shaw like how long until it you know does it grow as much without the backing of shaw if freedom gets cut out on its own does it become the fourth carrier like it kind of maybe was on track to be or does it just now fall because the backing it had before is gone i think it's sold to shaw for a reason right so you would yeah. assume that that probably couldn't that's my guess like again i'm i'm not an expert on the telecom industry i'm not an analyst but my guess is that they sold for a reason um and odds are that like there's no that that, that just wouldn't wouldn't happen but i mean shifting shifting gears slightly in terms of like if I'm a if from a consumer perspective, because that's what I always like to bring this back to. If I'm a Shaw subscriber right now, has Rogers said anything about how this potential acquisition will affect things? Yeah, so Rogers is trying to like squash concerns about the whole acquisition. Like they have made a promise that they won't increase wireless prices for Freedom Mobile customers for at least three years, but this promise itself has been criticized because it's like. Okay, so if they're not going to increase now, like they will down the line, which just kind of shows that it is an indication that prices will go up eventually. But it's almost like a promise in a way. Yeah. So they they oh, have definitely. they have promised that, but you know, so the deal itself is expected to co- uh, close sometime next year. From now and until then, we're going to like learn more about how it'll, how it'll affect current subscribers. So that that falls for both like Freedom Mobile and Shaw Mobile customers as well. They have like the same like similar questions because they've been offered pretty great deals, you know, so you want to hang on to those. Mm-hmm. So the what Rogers is promising them now is like it won't go up for three years. But obviously, like I like like I said before, experts are saying this promise just shows that it'll increase down the line for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think that they already have. I I and like I said this last time, but I swear freedom prices were lower before this deal was announced. And now they're like very much comparable to what Rogers, Bell, and Telus offer. We could look at that. We could probably even like look historically at our coverage and you could see whatever the trend is, right? Another thing though, I like the one positive that I am 
maybe a little bit excited about it. not really because i'm a rogers plan but i'm wondering if uh and this is only for toronto people but i'm wondering if the subway will be opened up now if rogers so right now freedom has the licensing to use spectrum in the subway system so no uh, like no cell phones work down there unless you have freedom but i'm wondering now if like rogers will get its hands on that as well that would be interesting for some people yeah. i don't know when i'll be riding the subway again so i'm not sure how much i care about that but uh yeah that's fair okay so one of the things that we've seen is like Rogers makes several announcements related to infrastructure investment um, tied to this proposed acquisition. Aisha, can you just recap a couple of those major announcements that Rogers has made? Yeah, so it's definitely trying to soften the blow of the uh, announcement with two uh, different promises. So firstly, it said that it's going to invest $2.5 billion in 5G networks over the next five years across like Western Canada. And the second thing is a new $1 billion fund to connect um, Indigenous communities to high-speed internet. So with these two announcements, they're definitely trying to squash fears about the concerns that come with the um, acquisition. But it's also worth noting that like advocacy groups have come out and said like these promises should like happen regardless of the deal. Like it shouldn't have to be like... Um, like it'll only happen if they like the merger goes through. Like it's just something that should be done for like the communities. I mean, so, Rogers I mean, is investing in five G either way. I mean, as anyone exactly. believing that, it's like they need to invest in five G to compete with Bell and Telus, point blank. There's exactly. no need. Like this is such. Oh, that makes me so mad. Anyway, continue. Sorry. So yeah. So like they're definitely pushing the five G angle. Five uh, G angle with this acquisition. So yeah. I mean, it is. I'm not sure if it's exactly swaying the general population, but uh, we'll see. I hope not. 5G. 5G. And then I, uh. I think the last thing before we move on and talk about OnePlus and, and the OnePlus 9 is, so there was also murmurs of like a Kojiko acquisition by Rogers a couple of months ago, right? Yeah. Like I, even, even after that, I remember Kojiko doing... TV and radio ads talking about how they're like a family run company that wants to invest in Canada and that there was like all kinds of drama surrounding whether the family that owns Kojiko was just like faking, not wanting to be acquired by Rogers to try to drive up the price. Can you, can you just like recap that situation as well? Because in a sense, I almost found that even more fascinating than this proposed acquisition of Shaw. Yeah. So it was definitely a completely different sort of announcement. So it came in September of 2020. So Rogers partnered with Altice, which is like an American cable company to purchase Kojiko's assets. So the whole thing backfired for Rogers like pretty bad, like the way you've kind of touched on. So the way Rogers had announced it made it seem like both parties were on board, but then Kojiko came out and said that they had already rejected the proposal before Rogers went public with it. And so people were thinking, like like you said, maybe um, the family that owns Kojiko, which is the Audet family, that they were kind of rejecting the proposal so they could get like a better deal. But they're like, no, we're just like not interested in selling our assets. So it is definitely different in this case because obviously both are on board. And like Kojiko has come out and said like that whole ordeal was like super hostile and like unprovoked isn't the word but like they just weren't interested from like the get-go so you don't think that that was like some sort of a ploy to drive up the price it was just like a legitimate hostile situation in my opinion yeah and that's what a lot of analysts were saying like obviously rogers is looking to expand by acquisition so like that one just didn't happen which is why it kind of moved over to shaw but again analysts in general are just saying like it's like a deal like 30 years in the making or something so that whole like koji thing was definitely like very um like a whole like media frenzy like they went like back and forth like Kojiko was like like slamming them like like you said in ads and stuff so yeah it was it was a pretty big ordeal beyond like what Rogers has told us like oh 5g rollout and all more jobs that is promoted on my twitter timeline every third advertised tweet thanks Rogers um what like what is the main goal of this takeover is there a reason like what do you think they're trying to really acquire is it Shaw's internet in the West? Is it freedom? subscribers? Is it just yeah. subscribers? Just more people? Okay. All no, right. that's definitely it. Because um, as it stands now, I believe Telus has the largest subscriber base. So okay. with Rogers acquiring Shaw, Shaw Mobile, and Freedom, it would kind of um, 
definitely uh, increase its user base for sure. It's a sub- subscriber base. I can't imagine Shaw Mobile really. Like, you think there's more than like ten thousand people in Shaw Mobile? It came out like it's relatively new, right? It's the one that's like mostly Wi-Fi based. You know, like a, I yeah, can't imagine so that's a big. A it big came driver. out um, over the summer, and like most of the customers on that are mainly like Shaw Internet customers. I think you, you have can, to be a Shaw Internet. Yeah, customer. exactly. Like the plans are bundled, so mm-hmm. I guess it is more so like freedom in a sense, but. Yeah, I mean, it is just Rogers trying to get bigger and, like, you know, just um, claim a bigger stake in, like, the industry. Okay, fair enough. I mean, uh, that makes sense. It's not necessarily what I wanted to hear, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. I guess Do none we, of this has been what I wanted to hear. So, Is there ever news related to carriers in Canada that are, are truly things we want to hear? There was one. I feel like there was one time on here where we were all really excited about saying good news about a carrier. Maybe it was just good discounts or something, but yeah, something happened. We were excited about it. It's been a while. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up the, the Shaw conversation. I, I think the important thing to keep in mind, especially for listeners, is that like this is a decision regarding this isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to be several months and we're going to have coverage about this for the weeks and the months and the days ahead. So, yeah, it's going to it's going to be a long time before we figure out how this uh, this plays out. But let's shift gears a little bit uh, to talk about something slightly more positive. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today depending on depending on the day Bennett's opinion about the OnePlus 9 and the OnePlus 9 Pro seems to change a little bit. So this week OnePlus revealed three new devices as it does every year minus the OnePlus watch which we'll talk about later. So the company showed off the OnePlus 9, the OnePlus 9 Pro and the OnePlus watch. Bennett, you've spent a lot of time with these devices. You got them quite a bit before their reveal. Yeah, not the watch, reviews, just the phones. But yes. just, just yeah, sorry, just the phones. And you've like your reviews already on the site. You can check it out now. You're pretty positive about it, but you also had like interesting points related to how this device specifically fits into the context of Canada, which is I think an important thing that Mobile Serp tries to emphasize with their coverage of smartphones, but like all things across the board. I, I guess just to like set the stage, what's new with the OnePlus Nine and the OnePlus Nine Pro? What are the features listeners should care about? So basically, the OnePlus 9 Pro and OnePlus 9 are the two latest flagships from OnePlus. The biggest, uh, I guess, feature about them is this new Hasselblad camera partnership. So if you don't know Hasselblad, it's a really famous high-end, very high-end, like in the way that I will never afford one. uh, And probably most people I know will never afford one of that kind of high-end Hasselblad cameras. Uh, They're using the moon. They're just well-regarded for being accurate and natural and having really great color science, which is just their sort of default color palette. So OnePlus is now partnering with Hasselblad, which isn't very surprising. We've seen, you know, uh, like a Huawei partner in the past or uh, Zeiss or Zeiss. So I don't know exactly how to pronounce that one and Nokia. So we've seen these high-end brands partner with phones before, although they seem to be taking this one a bit further. OnePlus and Hasselblad really, really are making it seem like they're trying to revolutionize mobile photography. This year, We've just got a slightly better cell phone camera, but I'm hoping in the future that will lead to like something really substantial or something really cool, like how Samsung was able to break some boundaries with the space zoom cameras and stuff. Yeah, and then beyond that, it's got an LTPO screen, which is like the sort of high-end screen technology right now, which is supposed to have dynamic refresh rate. So if you're looking at a picture, it can the screen will only need to refresh once, and then the picture will just be there. If you're looking at a game, it'll refresh 120 times per second to just really make it feel like a smooth experience uh, as you're gaming. In my experience, I don't really notice that at all. And it's supposed to really help with battery life. That's the main draw. I'm not super noticing it. But beyond that, I don't know. I guess I don't want to like get too much into the nitty gritty, but I guess my feelings with it and what Patrick was alluding to is it's a great phone. Pointing at the camera, high-end spec, thinking about in the interiors, the Snapdragon chip, high-end spec, the battery charges in 29 minutes, high-end spec. You know, you know, like it's 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 spec'd out to the max. The hardware is just about perfect, but then when it, it really comes down to it, it's 
not. You know, when you get into the finer details to paint the full complete picture, you know, the software's a little buggy. You can't really bank on updates. The cameras aren't as, cons- like, you can get a lot out of them, but they're not as consistent as the iPhone, which is an issue for sure. And, you know, the screen, like I was saying, the it's supposed to provide much better battery life, but that's not really in the case. So I don't know. I fall in a weird spot with this phone. I love it for the nerd. The nerd inside of me loves all these high-end specs. And the rational reviewer is like, maybe it's not perfect. Or it definitely isn't perfect. What's the difference? Like taking things a step back a little bit. What's sure. the difference between the two devices? Like I, I know that over the last, this isn't new. Over the last couple of years, OnePlus has sort of moved to that like Apple Samsung strategy of releasing like a high-end and a quote-unquote entry-level version of their device. What's the difference between the Pro and just the regular OnePlus 9? Both of the phones have the same ultra-wide camera, which is one of the big things this year because it, it, it does like flat images without that fisheye effect that ultra-wide cameras sometimes have. Um, so that's been a big part of the Hasselblad uh, partnership. And both phones have exactly the same lens setup and Sony sensor for that. The OnePlus 9 Pro has a slightly better... Uh, main camera Sony sensor. I wish I could remember the names, but it's a few megapixels more and just is a slightly better camera sensor, but they're about the same uh, in practice. The OnePlus 9 Pro also has a 3.3 zoom lens. The the OnePlus 9 does not. The 9 Pro has slight curves on the edges of its screen. So it's like Samsung phones with the like curved design and the non-curved design? Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. And one thing I will say too is last year the 8 Pro had a super curved screen and it was awful. Uh, the 9 has greatly reduced that. It's, it's, it's almost unnoticeable that it's curved and it just feels a little nicer. So Why do you why do you dislike the curved screens? Like I think I know the answer to this question, but... Just accidental touches and, you know, like you try... On big phones like that, if the screen's too curved and you try to reach, like you're holding it, say, in your right hand, you try to reach to the other side of the, of the screen with your thumb you'll very often hit that curve with your palm as you're reaching over. Or if you're trying to like grab the, what's this, the progress bar in a YouTube video and like the, so you can fast forward. I know exactly what you mean. And and you want to put it at either end, you know, you want to go back to the beginning, getting it around that curve was just like very tricky and kind of annoying. It's just like stuff like that, that was like, why did we curve this screen? It's, it's become more of a detriment than, than a pleasure for sure. So you did a really good camera comparison that's on the site right now where you compared the 9 Pro's camera to the iPhone 12 Pro. And I was like, I was shocked at how good it is. Like the photography that the phone seems capable of in in some cases, like surpassed Apple. I, I would, I, pref- I know you didn't compare it to um, the S21 or anything, but I prefer the way that the phone handles color compared to Samsung, which is like super saturated. It's just the color profile seems more realistic. That's what I prefer. I know some people are on the other side of that fence. But one of the things that I thought was really, really cool was the ultra wide camera and how the images aren't distorted in that weird way. Like that makes me actually want to use an ultra wide camera. And it's probably one of my biggest issues with that functionality Um, when I reviewed the S21 Ultra or like when I reviewed the iPhone 12 Pro or 12 Pro Max, like it just makes everything look weird. And with the 9 Pro, it it just, it actually did what it's supposed to do. Did you find that that was the case as well? I have two minds of this as with almost everything with this phone, but I think people like that like fisheye effect of the ultra wide. There are, there are definitely instances where it's sure some people do very cool. Uh, But if you want to take a picture of a building or a nice landscape, having no distortion is, is definitely, definitely needed. Everything looks like a Beastie Boys music video to me with yeah, that, yeah. the ultra wide. Exactly. But yeah, the the ultra wide on the the OnePlus 9 Pro and the 9 is really nice. Honestly, it's a 14 millimeter equivalent lens essentially, so that if you know cameras, that's kind of like the framing you would get from it. And it's it's really great. I mean, in my review, there's a picture of uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, just one picture from the 9 Pro. It was stellar picture. And one picture from the iPhone. Yeah, that, <laughs> the picture actually turned out pretty cool. You can just see in the iPhone one, like the top corner, it's almost like somebody is like grabbing it, and, like pulling it down. It's almost yeah. like a, a piece of paper being folded over. It's very odd. And like you could get a very similar photo, I guess, out of the iPhone, but you'd have to crop it in quite a bit. As with the OnePlus, it's like you just point and shoot and there it is. So how is it doing that? Is it like through machine learning or? I think it could be doing it through AI, to be completely honest. I, I mean, there are lots of like photo editing apps that remove the fisheye effect from photos. So I think it can be done with software. But actually, the imp- implementation by OnePlus and Hasselblad is actually, is actually quite interesting. So there's technically two lenses inside the camera module for the ultra wide. 
And so it like kind of comes in both ways. So instead of like having one lens that like bubbles around, it has two lenses that can split and do like half and half each almost, which just sort of flattens the image. I wish I had a, a better way to describe it, but there's this, this one gift that OnePlus has. I think it's in one of the posts I did a long time ago on it when they were just sort of hyping up the camera before release. Um, but yeah, essentially like the light goes into two lenses, you know, the left lens does the left half of the, the photo and the right lens does the right half of the photo. So they're both putting out flat images as opposed to the light going in the middle and then the edges being kind of warped away. So I guess there probably is some software to maybe stitch those together. And I'm not sure if exactly Fair it's enough. taking, I don't know if there's two sensors or just two lenses, but it's a unique camera feature. Apple and Samsung are going to have this next year. I wouldn't be 80, be 80 to 90% sure that everyone's going to be like, oh, they figured out how to do flat ultra wide photos. Those are cool. Everyone is going to do it because why would you not? Unless there's huge backlash over the fisheye. Sorry, no. So just like someone who's not like super familiar with a brand is like the selling point of this phone, like the camera. Like that's kind of what I'm hearing. OnePlus wants it to be the camera. But if you're familiar <laughs> with OnePlus, you know that the people buying them are really just fans of the brand who are just looking okay. for something different in the in the phone sphere, I think, to be completely honest. Maybe there's Android gamers. Maybe there's someone else. But yeah. That's a perfect segue into what we we're going to talk about. Because like to me, the selling point of OnePlus phones used to be the price. Like mm -hmm. that is why people bought them. Like I think you had it in the subheading of one of your stories. The first OnePlus cost four hundred and fifty dollars outright, or something like that, right? Yeah, I think in the pricing story, R roughly, roughly that much. These phones are expensive, right? They're a ton of money. The nine is a thousand. The nine Pro starts at thirteen hundred, which is crazy. That's bananas for a OnePlus phone. As someone who like only has a little bit of knowledge about the brand i've never reviewed a oneplus phone i've edited lots of reviews edited lots of stories but i've never really used one myself it seems like a ton of money and just a continuation of the direction that the company has been going for the last little bit and we've talked about this a bunch of times off the podcast the cost kind of makes these phones a difficult sell in the canadian market do you want to explain yep. why that is yeah, they're not, you can't get them through a carrier. So, you know, if you want to get the latest iPhone right now, you can go to your carrier, you can pay, you know, a couple hundred bucks up front or sometimes even zero dollars up front. And then, you know, 20 to $40 per month on top of your plan to have an iPhone. If you want a OnePlus phone, you've got to go to the OnePlus website or Amazon and order it straight up for $1,300. And you're taking that hit right now once you hit buy. So, you know, I know there are people that do buy phones like that and you can get like bring your own phone pricing. If you're trying to buy a phone outright to save money on a bring your own pricing plan, you're not buying the $1,400 OnePlus. You're buying 100%. like the $500 Pixel 5a uh, or 4a 5G. You know what I mean? Like the price proposition isn't there. That's kind of what I was saying. Like if you're a fan of, if you're a nerd, I guess, you you nerd out over these camera specs and you need the top of the line uh, phone specs. You don't want a Samsung phone because maybe you don't like Samsung software or you just been on Samsung before and you want to change OnePlus is kind of like your only option or one of your only options it's just unfortunate that you can't like subsidize the cost of it here and like on top of that they're also buggy and I'm going to say this just because this happened to me the review went up I said they were a little buggy I've had issues blah 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 immediately after the like Google search widget which is now working even though I've reset my phone like four times and it wasn't working for hours and hours and hours had stopped working the when you slide over and the Google discover pane was there couldn't search through that either. Couldn't open the Google app and search. Like there's these issues on OnePlus devices that pop up so randomly. It almost feels like their final build of software is is beta sometimes. And I'm like hesitant because I've had good experience with OnePlus, but I've also just had more bugs than any other phone I've used, I think. So Aisha, you use an iPhone, right? Yes. You're not like, because you're our carrier and our telecom reporter, you're not... And I know you also cover things on the weekend, so you are covering smartphones sometimes, but you're not like one of our core smartphone reporters, I guess, to, yeah, to not, just like not place, <laughs> to play, to place this in context. It's a, it's not your thing. I, I imagine it's not even something that you're like personally into. With these devices, the OnePlus 9 and the 9 Pro, you've seen the stories on the site. You've heard Brad nerd out over the device. You've, you've heard me ask all these questions. Has any of this swayed someone like yourself who is sort of so locked into the iphone ecosystem to even considering a device like this or or just in general like what are your thoughts about the one plus nine after hearing the sort of spiel about what the series is all about so i'm going to be honest i didn't even know like one plus was a thing before i started working here like that's how not much surprising. I'm, like, no disconnected 
But, like, I feel like if I were to make the switch to Android, there's, like, so many other phones I would consider, like, before considering, like, a OnePlus phone for, like, a variety of reasons. And, like, we've been over, like, a couple of them. So, yeah, that's what I think. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, outside of, like, our work sphere, I've only ever met one guy that, one guy that, like, is my friend who I, like, know who bought a OnePlus phone because he was, like, that much of a nerd. And that was why he just was a nerd. He wanted one. My brother used to buy OnePlus phones all the time because he wanted a cheap, outright Android device. And it was one of the best options available. But when they started mm-hmm. to get more expensive, I guess that started with the OnePlus 6. Is that accurate? Or was it the 5? Probably the 5. I'm not sure. The 5 was a little before my time working here. So I don't remember the price of it. But it was a fairly premium phone, I remember. Anyways, whenever, yeah, somewhere around there. whenever yeah. that started happening, he just like, he stopped buying them simply because of that reason. Just because the reason he was buying them was because they were cheap outright phones that he didn't have to get subsidized on a plan. And it, it just, that's not a thing anymore. You, you have to drop like a thousand plus dollars to get a one plus device. Yeah. They is so weird that they like did the, the good Nord. I talk about this as the good Nord, the blue Nord, the original Nord. And this is basically the same specs as a pixel four, a five G pixel five, somewhere in between. And that, I think that phone would have been like seven fifty Canadian or something like that. It was just like, that would have like it had they just even taken this phone that they released everywhere else, not everywhere else, but in India, which is like their biggest market in Europe last year, and just said, We're not gonna put out the OnePlus nine. Here's the nine pro, you know, the OnePlus fans can get this, and here's a much cheaper version of a OnePlus phone for like seven, six hundred dollars. I think that would have been huge. People would have bought that. It brings it back that like price per performance sweet spot a little more. Um, but for some reason they just keep putting out these flagships that that are just way too expensive. Like that you're like people like your brother aren't going to look at them anymore because why would they, you're not saving any money to get these high end specs like you used to. And then the, the last thing that I think we, we need to talk about is uh, the one plus watch, which was rumored for like what feels like years. So I'm glad that we don't have to write those posts anymore. And I'm glad that it's finally been revealed. I'm glad that it was shown off. It looks cool. <laughs> But my thing with these smartwatches, uh, particularly this one, is that it runs on its own operating system, right? So there's not going to be any third-party ecosystem of, of apps for it. I say that having used an Apple Watch every day for like the last six, seven years or whatever, and I don't use third-party apps. So I don't know how important that really is to everybody. For me, it wouldn't matter. I could use this watch. And I would be absolutely fine with it. It would send notifications. It would do fitness tracking. It has all those key features. It's always a yeah, point that, it, that Dean makes in like his his uh, Galaxy, Watch Galaxy Watch reviews. is like it runs Tizen, but that doesn't matter because he doesn't care. He only uses Samsung apps anyways. He doesn't care about a third-party app ecosystem. How do you, Bennett, where do you like sort of fall on that with, with the smartwatch? Do you think that matters that it runs this like unique operating system? So... Yeah, it's built on real-time OS, which is the same backbone as the Garmin or Fitbit smartwatches. Um, I don't know if that will bring benefits in terms of like app development for other parties and stuff like that. Could make it easier Uh, to port the apps over, I think. Yeah, perhaps. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's it's basically yeah, like a really fancy fitness tracker. I think that's what it boils down to. How much Uh, is it? You know, it's two twenty. It's actually pretty affordable price. I'm excited to get my hands on it. I think it'll be cool. This they're predicting like somewhere between a week and two weeks of battery life, which you know I love battery life on like accessories like that and wireless headphones and stuff. So that's exciting. But yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. It's like, you know, it maybe it'll be a good fitness tracker and, and maybe it'll be like a part time fitness tracker that that'll fit in my life. You know, because I don't like wearing watches all the time. So maybe just wearing it when I go for a bike ride or do some yoga or something will be like the move. But yeah, it's it's another one of those like weird devices. I think one thing I need to say is OnePlus is, like I said, it's very popular in India. And I think if you look at a lot of their devices and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that they're like the most popular or one of the most popular brands in India. This will probably do really well like there or That's a good point. Europe or, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense here. So it's harder for us to contextualize them. But I think that's why these things exist is because the Indian, like the reason the OnePlus TV exists is because OnePlus is a huge brand in India and they could sell TVs there. They probably couldn't sell those TVs here. Yeah, I always, it's pretty pretty stereotypical, but I, I often forget that there's more markets out there that these companies are targeting than just North America, right? Like India is a massive market. China's a massive market. Like mm-hmm. we're almost lucky 
that they're bringing the smartwatch here, right? Yeah, I didn't think it was coming here, to be completely honest. Um, but it's cool. Like I said, it's a fitness tracker. You know, I, I can't say much more because I'm hesitant that it will be better than a Fitbit. But, you know, if it is and you're looking for something that isn't a Fitbit, it looks like a pretty plain watch. It looks like it has like a pretty cool, like good, like metal build quality and construction cool. uh, from their phones. Hardware wise, OnePlus is usually pretty good. So I'm excited to see it. And, and like I said, that week long battery life is is pretty exciting, too. Although I don't think there's and I don't know for certain. This is where it kind of gets tricky. Actually, they have a commercial the beginning of the commercial. Someone gets out of bed, stops something on their watch. And then it this is like start your day, but then every other watch feature that like they do throughout the commercial is like very clearly written on the screen. So I don't know if this like start your day was like a hint, uh, or like I want you to think we have sleep tracking, but we actually don't just for the because it's very unclear. They didn't mention it in the press releases or anything. I'll probably reach out to OnePlus and ask. It's just been kind of busy with the, all the other stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's sleep tracking, which is like. Okay, a weak battery is good, but if I could be putting it on the charger every night because I don't need to be wearing it to sleep, you know, we'll see. I don't know. It's a toss-up. It's a fitness tracker. I don't think there's much to, like, get excited about with it, to be completely honest. Actually, it has parkour tracking. Ooh, you know, those parkour people out key, there. Key feature. Yeah, OnePlus was hyping that up. I don't know if other watches – I didn't check my Apple Watch or the, the Wear OS watches that I have to see if they, you know, track those parkour people. But if you're a parkour head who also is into tracking all your fitness metrics – one plus has got head. you yeah i don't know what they call themselves park parkourists parkours parkheads uh, yeah parkour enthusiasts <laughs> i could just come up for with sure. names for like hours all right I, yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap up the conversation about the one plus nine and the one plus nine pro reviews on the site we also have that camera comparison that bennett put together i think it's a really good visual representation of how good the one plus nine's camera really is compared to something like like the iphone 12 series that's one of the i guess more highly regarded smartphone cameras out there he'll have something on the oneplus watch somewhat soon i think we're still waiting on the review device yeah they uh that's an, like i basically have to send some emails check on two things and it's the watch and a pair of headphones that are sort of stuck in the mail somewhere i gotta get to the bottom of it cool but yeah let's let's move on and quickly talk about uh the games that we've been playing and this week specifically the things that we've been watching So I can talk about this first. I haven't been playing much of anything new. I feel like every single week when we do the segment, I just be like, oh, I've been playing Apex because that's all I've been playing. I'm Pat. Just rocking Apex. <laughs> been playing Apex. That, that's all I've been playing. I played a lot with uh, some friends that I grew up with, and we've been getting into doing like the daily, the weekly, at the daily and weekly challenges. So that's added like another element to the game, sort of when I was playing a lot of ranked play. Still really like it. Still think it's the best battle royale out there. Been using it with the new Xbox wireless headset. Going to probably talk about that on the podcast at some point. Just to summarize my early thoughts on it, or like it has stellar sound some of the best i've heard for a headset that only costs 130 dollars. incredibly uncomfortable my head hurts after i wear it for like an hour i'm hoping that changes and the mic is an absolute trash compactor it's not good it like sits way back on the headphones and according to the people that i've gamed with it sounds like i'm in like uh i'm outside or something like that like there's a crazy amount of echo to it it picks up like controller presses and stuff like that so Despite being like a good price and having excellent sound quality, I kind of wish that those factors were a little bit improved. So that's been slightly disappointing. Yeah, that's fair. But Bennett, what what have you been playing? Not much. I think the last time we were here, I was playing Planet Zoo, which I've still played for quite a bit, um, but I haven't picked up this week. <laughs> Lately, I've just been playing Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past, which is the Super Nintendo Legend of Zelda, kind of the fun rpg one with a really cool art style i guess um and if you play it on switch and you have an online subscription you can use rewind functions so if you die you just rewind a bit instead of having to go back to the beginning of a level yeah it's made the game like i mean it's kind of cheating for sure i'm aware of that but i've been able to like get through dungeons so much faster than i would have otherwise and i think i think that's worth it just to you know it makes old games like that a lot more accessible to people who didn't play them when they came out i think and it's really fun I never finished A Link to the Past. I, I was playing it like way back in 98, the year that Ocarina of Time came out. And 
Ocarina of Time came out and I just never went back. And all these re-releases have just never gotten back into it. It's on my list someday. I'm never going to actually play it again, but it's on my list that I'll never get to. Um, yeah, I, Aisha, I, I know you're not much of a gamer, but is there anything that you've watched recently that you want to highlight? So I've honestly just been like rewatching episodes of Superstore to gear up for the series finale tomorrow night. The finale is tomorrow night, really? Yes, it's one oh, hour man. finale. So I've just been like reminiscing over like my favorite episodes. But yeah, and it's on it's on season six now, right? Yes. So I'm still on five, and I'm 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 about halfway through it. I got into uh, a different show, Outlander, that I I won't talk about on the podcast. But um, I, I have to go back and I, I got to finish it at some point because I want to I want to watch the the latest season for sure. I love that show. Such an accurate depiction of what it's like to work at a, a, a store. Shockingly, my hot take is that I like it more than The Office and Parks and Rec. Ooh, Parks and Rec, too. Yeah, I like it more than both of them. Interesting. All right. That's a good place to wrap up the podcast. That's it. <laughs> I hope someone tweets me and just tells me that I'm a horrible person and I have bad taste, which that happens pretty frequently on the internet. Um, so that's it. Thanks for listening to the Syrupcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke and of course on mobilesurf.com. I have a few stories coming up. Like I mentioned, I'm going to be reviewing, maybe not reviewing, writing an opinion piece about the Xbox wireless headset. I have a couple other things that I can't quite talk about yet, but they'll be appearing next week. Bennett, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me just about anywhere online uh, at the Brad Fad, and then again on Mobile Syrup as well. And just like that, I've got uh, a review I'm working on today about the Echo Show 10. It'll be like a smaller thing, just because guess what? The Echo Show 10 is not for everyone. Um, and then the, but it pivots. Wh- I don't. Wh- where do you need that? How big is your? You I know? don't know, but it's cool. It follows yeah. you around. I basically have sort of stumbled on that. If you live in a big house, you might be able to get a lot out of this, but if you don't, then it is not worth it at all. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then the Red Magic gaming phone as well I have in my hands. So going to be doing that again. Excited about it. Hope everyone else is. <laughs> gaming phones. Woo. All right. Uh, Aisha, where can people find you? Um, I can be found on Twitter at A-I-I-S-H-A-M-A-L-I-K-1. I have a very common name, so my handle is mouthful. And my stuff can be found on the business side of the site. Awesome. I was just going to say, there's going to probably be lots more on the uh, the Roger Shaw thing. So definitely, it's worth keeping your eyes yeah, on there. For sure. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesurp.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesurp. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 